Uh, I have it. It's recording. So now we are good to go ahead and start. <laughs> we should discuss how we're going to start the podcast. And that is when we roll the theme song. This week on Theme Park Workshop, the podcast. It's our first episode, so we tell you who we are. And we talk about our newest video, What Makes Skull Island, Random Kong Great. We talk about the controversies. We talk about the things we like, the things we don't like. And a little uh, peek behind the curtain, if you will. So we got all that and more this week for you here on Theme Park Workshop, the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Theme Park Workshop Podcast. My name is Jonathan, and I'm here with Adam. Hi! We're both from the acclaimed YouTube series, Theme Park Workshop, and we have released a full three episodes as of the recording of this podcast over the course of a year. Well, three main episodes. We've had other side projects and such, but we wanted to give you this podcast as a, well, a companion piece to our videos, because when you make a video, there's only so much you can cover and editing the videos, I myself know that plenty of things get cut because they're stupid or they're not important. Or you the should script read my scripts. I, I, I take one look at the script and I'm like, Adam, this is great. As I read it at 2, 2, 2 a.m. right before I went to bed when he sent it to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so uh, I think before we get into the really the meat of the first episode... Yes. Probably give you a little bit of an introduction to who we are, because who we are. we've we've more so been not ourselves, but we were like caricatures of ourselves on the show. So, uh, right. Adam, why don't you exactly. go ahead and go first and introduce yourself and who you are and what you do? Hmm. Well, I was reading existentialism earlier, so who am I is the real question. I think that's all you need to know about Adam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is there to know? Um. Besides my name, it's it's Adam. Um, I think, and I think uh, well, hold on. I was, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I know your name's Adam, but I think you can get a really great sense of who we both are by the fact that we're both recording this podcast at 11 p.m. on Valentine's Day. <laughs> uh, that, that, uh, that about sums it up. Yep. Y- yeah. Yeah. What are you going to give? I'm going to tell them what my favorite theme park and attractions are, like top oh, three. Oh, okay, so I get to know the theme park best. I thought you wanted a whole biography. I mean... I, I don't want your life story. We got an hour. This is true. So I'm Adam, and I, Jonathan, you go ahead and do this, and I'll pick up where you leave off. All right, so <laughs> my name is Jonathan. I am a uh, student at the University of Central Florida, which puts me very close to both Disney and Universal. I'm an annual pass holder for both. I love the theme parks. My I really grew up on Bush Gardens was my home park. Love the roller coasters. I can't tell you how many times I rode, you know, all the coasters at Busch Gardens. And I grew up watching Cheetah Hunt and Sheikra get built. And my first looping coaster was Scorpion. So I have a lot of memories there. But now as I'm in college, I'm discovering the joy that is Universal and Disney that I could never visit um, because it was simply just too much for my family to all go together. And that was really the only way to go. But now, since it's just me and I have a job, I can afford it. And so my current favorite attractions are Star Wars Rise of the Resistance, Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, which I think is about as good as Rise of the Resistance, but in a very different way, 
And Ooh, Hagrid's hot take. Yeah, Hagrid's, which is Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, which is also, I think, as good as both of those. But again, in its own way. And, it, you know, it's talking about what type of ride, you know, they are. I think a lot of rides add specific things that make them memorable, so to speak. Talk about rides like The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man and, like, what makes that ride so great? Well, it's the levitation sensation. Uh, what makes Flight of Passage so great? Which, again, that's, like, in my top five, is the unique flying sensation, the truly, you know, you're, you're riding a dragon. Something that, you know, was originally conceived as a concept that would have fit more into Beastly Kingdom. Even though it is a banshee, really, you're riding a dragon, let's be real. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's bringing these experiences to life in different ways, which is what makes theme parks so great. Like, Dinosaur is an amazing ride, but it's, it doesn't need to be as technically complex as Rise of the Resistance to tell the story that it's trying to tell. And I just think that's that's what makes theme parks unique, is that every ride... I have special memories attached to it. Um, and even though I do have my favorites, I can enjoy basically any ride for all of its quirks and little things. And that's part of what I wanted to do with Theme Park Workshop was to pay homage and tribute to a lot of these rides where I have so much I want to say about them, but I can't really put it all into words for anybody else to hear unless Adam writes the script. Uh so yeah, I was going to do a dance, but then I realized no one is watching because this is audio. <laughs> so, so that's me, Adam. Would you like to talk a little bit sure. more about your I don't think I'll, history? Sure, I don't think I'm going to get as sentimental as you. Um, but uh, yeah, my name is Adam, and I I I feel like I'm more of a film. I love theme parks. Obviously, I'm writing and I'm I'm hosting and co-hosting theme park shenanigans. I guess you could call me part of the theme park Twitter space. That can be a scary time. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, love, love the movies, write, write about the movies and really love writing. Um, and so I also really enjoy theme parks. And so not to give away too much of our origin story at this point, but I mean, Jonathan and I kind of, uh, met and became friends through the, whole movie and creativity thing and the creative writing I was like hey I got a great idea uh to talk about theme parks I'm like sure let's do it um and I love going to the theme parks it's so fun to go in and and do these thrills you can't get anywhere else and um these stories you can't get anywhere else in the same way you know I mean I love movies but it's nothing like going on the amazing adventure of spider-man um and going through these sets and feeling these sensations um, and I think where the theme park bug really did kick, um, for me would be when my family started going to Universal Studios back when the Lost Continent was completely a thing, you know, before Harry Potter, you know, came in, um, and, and doing these kinds of rides for, you know, the first time and these thrills, because I mean, we did Disney a couple of times, uh, growing up, but I think when I was like 10, we went to Universal and that's just kind of been a, a, I guess you could say a definitive way of the way I um, looked at and enjoyed theme parks now. You know, I enjoy it just about anything that's themed and parked. Um, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy um, just about anything uh, that's themed and parked. But to also give my top five rides, I don't know if I'll go into as much detail, but I guess we'll see. Um, gotta love Manta. 
Manta because it's one of those experiences on a roller coaster you can't get anywhere else. As I mentioned, The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man. Oh, so good. Um, Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, of course. And honestly, this one's closer. My, my top two is closer than I think most people would think. Because, you know, Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, a tour de force, as they say. Um, and it's, gosh, I mean, it's wonderful. Um, I'm not doing it justice right now, but the Haunted Mansion is also very much easily in my uh, my top five. Easily in my top five. Uh, might even be number one on some days um, because I love again those tricks you can't get anywhere else. Um, that Disney Universal and you know all the theme park people uh, pull off. Whether it's a great coaster or a great dark ride or a multi-sensory experience. Um, speaking of multi-sensory experiences, that's what our last video was about, wasn't it? Yes, that was uh, Skull Island, Reign of Kong. How about that segue? <laughs> and, and, and you know, one of the things that I really wanted to ask you about was you say in the video, few things are as jaw-dropping to me as Skull Island, Reign of Kong, walking, uh, moving through the gates. Is, is that really true? Is that one of the few jaw-dropping whoa jaw dropping experiences in your life like you think of times that your jaw drops one of them is just instantly first thing that comes to mind oh yeah uh the the gates at reign of kong well now you're calling me out on hyperbole <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean i was just curious you said it with such sincerity in the video that i i assumed it had to be true um well definitely theme park wise i mean i mentioned in the video which if you haven't seen the video and you're listening to this, I recommend you go to YouTube and look up Theme Park Workshop, What Makes Reign of Kong Great? And after you get over that title, enjoy it <laughs> and then come back. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think about Pirates of the Caribbean where you, you go down the, the one drop and you see this giant sea battle go on just the way it's lit and, and staged. Like I remember the first time I did it, like, holy cow, I've... I've not seen a site like that before or that graveyard scene where it's so massive and so huge and to see something so huge and practical with Kong. I'm like, what? This is so cool. Um, I think that's what I meant. I mean, I'm sure there are things in life, you know, real life that have dropped my jaw more like, uh, well, this is a bad time to not think of anything. <laughs> Um, but I'm not sure there's things in life that have dropped my jaw more. Reign of Kong, at least the first time, uh, is is definitely up there. Um, I mean, I, I get feels like, ooh, you know, fun goosies, you know, going in into that show building. Um, yeah. So I meant it. Is it hyperbolic? Sure. But is it true from a certain point of view? I think uh, we should title the episode, Adam Gets the Goosies. Adam gets the goosies. I don't know. I like Workshop Goes Bananas without Herbie. That is a pretty great title. Um, we'll see. We shall see. Yes. Yeah, so let's see. What What is up next on our uh, on our discussion schedule? I believe we have a few apologies that we want to make about the uh, the video. I know I, I have to uh, step up first and say uh, I spelled the word detail wrong, which is somebody who tries to pay attention to detail in the edit. And we're talking about all the details in this ride. Incredible. In incredibly sad uh it might be sadder that i sent it to adam to watch and asked him 
uh, if anything was wrong with it, and he said yes. So I'm just going to throw the blame on no, him. No, no. I said there was nothing wrong. I thought it was great. And uh, I watched it twice. For you viewers at home, the listeners, I watched it twice and I didn't notice. I showed it to my dad once, and five minutes in, he's like, you know, I think this is an issue. I'm like, oh, yeah, you, you're right. <laughs> it's already up. <laughs> already got the clicks. Couldn't change it then. This is true. So sometimes those details, well, they don't go unnoticed, but they just they slip by. Yes. We try not to have factual errors, but uh, some things, they, they, they slip through the cracks. And, and that did happen this time. And as the writer on this episode, sorry, uh, I mean that sincerely, uh, we don't want to have, have bad facts. We don't want to have um, false information. But uh, there's some other things that we miss besides spelling detail wrong. Um, uh, one that comes to mind is um, we, we make a joke in there about two characters being killed off. It's like it's a big, you know, dramatic adventure and it's more uh, intense story-wise than other, uh, other universal uh, attractions. And because of that, there's some, some moments um, of intense peril. And one of those uh, is when uh, this truck falls off to the side. And one thing I noticed and one thing we bring up in the video is that there's actually continuity to that where they pop up at the beginning. You see them drive off and you see them at the end and you see Kong at the beginning. You see him at the end, obviously. Um, and I want to point out that fact. And I think as an aside, uh, we kind of made it a bit of a joke that these characters do, in fact, perish when they fall off. And... So eagle-eyed viewers of, of the attraction, the first thing they noticed was, but do they, though? So, factually, do they die, do they not? It's more ambiguous than we make out. Um, another thing is, for talking about details, um, I should know the names of these characters, and we actually did catch one before we <laughs> wrote and filmed the script after writing it multiple times. Um, like, oh, look, this name Juan is on the board. I think that's one of Kate's, keeping uh, the main character. Oh, oh, Joe's Joe's name was on the board too, Adam. It, he his is. <laughs> I I and then there's there's the scene in the it's in the first scene. She says, "Joe, can I get some light?" And she's like, "Sure." And so I I knew his name, but I thought the joke was I thought I thought it was written as a joke. I didn't realize I didn't realize it was a fact missing. So I, yeah, I well, not only that, he <laughs> pulls up and he says, "It's Joe." right behind you <laughs> and now knowing what i know now uh yeah that's a big error <laughs> um because it is right there um and um and I, you know one thing i i just try to do in life and especially on this channel because why should theme parks be controversial or why should they be um i don't want to say offensive but you know ask Diz twitter Sure. Um, there's a song in there that we use as like a button to the joke. Um, let me go into it's called Maldita uh, Sea Mi Suerte, which means like cursed be my life. And it's a, a Spanish romantic song that I actually listened to a lot um, when I was in high school because, you know, Pandora, if you remember Pandora, the two of you who remember Pandora before Spotify became a thing, um, they had a thing for Spanish romantic songs. And so I clicked that and listened to it because I was in AP Spanish. That's what we had to do. 
Uh, and that song was just so like dramatic and I, I just loved it. And I thought it went great with this moment. It was not because there's a character named Juan, <laughs> which I understand that's how it could be uh, construed, um, which was not the intention. And also, what, I don't know, the whole thing, just a, watching it now, I kind of get like, uh, vibes. Because one, it's actually inaccurate. And two, there are things can, that can be misconstrued. I don't want things to be misconstrued. I don't want things to be considered, you know, offensive or or controversial. I mean, I know the take that Kong is a great ride is controversial, but I mean, like, in, in these ways. And, you know, in the end, it might not matter. Um, I'm trying not to, like, focus so much on the facts we got wrong or the way things could be construed and just, you know, move on to the next video. But I, I, I didn't want to address that even on this little thing because, um, yeah, I, I think it's good to own up to mistakes that we have made. This is true. Yeah. I think if you can't own up to the mistakes that you've made, then uh, you've already let your pride get the better of you. And, you know, pride cometh before fall. Well, before we fall any further, um, nope, that was going to be said. You're really, I'm, you're really trying to work with those transitions. I am so trying, but, but I'm before not... before we fall any further, we got to make like Doctor Doom and blast. Sure. Um, so, uh, in in a video, I think as Jonathan was saying at the beginning, we don't have time to include all of our thoughts. We don't have space to include all of our thoughts on it. Um, on a particular attraction or a particular thing about the theme park space. So I'm going to call this part, this little segment, Further Thoughts. Jonathan, I wrote the script. I got a lot of my thoughts out. People heard me yammer for 15 minutes. Sure, there's a little bit of banshee thrown in there, but who listens to him? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on Reign of Kong, generally speaking? What are some things you wish got included in the script, or what do you think I was just crazy with saying? Well, Reign of Kong... I think yeah, you didn't talk enough about how the facade is gorgeous, all the it way is. down to the uh, the what is it the like the painting the painted mountains on top. Uh, mm -hmm. You can't see any of the show building uh, from anywhere within that general vicinity all the way into Jurassic Park. You can see it from Toon Lagoon if you're looking over, but even then the the size of the show building is very well concealed. I think it's right up there with Men in Black as uh, one of the best concealed show buildings at the parks. Um, oh yeah, the show building definitely. Yeah, it's the rock work is immaculate. The storytelling in the details we talked about a lot of it. There's also Easter eggs like some of the rope in the queue is the same rope from Jaws. So there's Easter oh, no. eggs that uh, just like like in the in the in the outer part of the queue while you're waiting. Uh, there's little details like you never wait in the extended queue, but the water fountains are like I want to say it's like a pan or something. That it's like the water fountains, and it's it's all so detailed. There's a power generator that shows you where the camp uh, gets its power from. That's in part of the queue. You got the radio that's playing. They purposely make sure there's no TVs, because you know this is the 1930s. They they really commit to the time period and to yeah. the not necessarily to the historical accuracy, but just the the overall ambiance of the ride is much stronger than uh, say like. Jurassic Park River Adventure. Sure. It kind of reminds me of Jungle Cruise in some strange ways. Like, it's almost like their Jungle Cruise ride where um, a, a skipper 
kind of takes you through um, the perilous journey. Um, not that Jungle Cruise is particularly perilous. I mean, from a certain point of view, um, how you've got that old timey radio uh, stuff in the in the queue from the music and the kind of broadcast. Um, like from uh, uh, WNBC or, or whatever they say. I haven't listened to that uh, track in, in a long time, so I don't know exactly what they say on that track, but like having that... I think it's great, as you said, setting up the ambiance, setting up the, the setting, uh, which is definitely a good thing because it's the only ride in this particular mini land. Um, and oh. another thing that's like Jungle Cruise, it's the eighth wonder of the world. This is true, and you do bring that up in a in a nice little button joke. But um, another thing that I, I believe you had mentioned this before is they have like a little NBC jingle that yeah. even then back in the 19th century, all right, the NBC jingle was the same. What a brilliant way if you're gonna do if you're gonna please you know Daddy Moneybags, what better way to do that than by being historically accurate with it? Um, <laughs> I think I think one of the biggest. Uh, flaws of Kong for me isn't isn't necessarily the screens. It is the one of the claims when they open the ride is like this is Universal Orlando's first trackless ride, and they talk about in the video it's like when you're in the truck there's no track in front of you. Say so, yeah, don't know where you could go, and I'm like, <laughs> why did you invest in this being a trackless ride? You can clearly see the tire marks that have been tread over hundreds of times. It's not something Although, like. Although to be fair, um, a lot of trackless rides like even rides of the resistance you can see the outline of where these cars have been that's true but when you like like you know the general area but at the same time like with rise of resistance like you come into a door it shuts so now you have to go backwards in order to do something like that where two cars are running on the same track and they go back and forth over each other that has to be trackless i think yeah for reign of kong the fact that the ride is trackless doesn't serve the ride itself especially like even though you can do the switch for the rain that could easily be accomplished by a simple track switch that's not something that you need um the trackless aspect of it for and another thing i think that's really funny is that and perhaps the only non-1930s accurate thing is that these trucks are all four-wheel drive <laughs> in order to make it around that first curve because they're so large i mean i was riding kilimanjaro safaris recently and i'm like this truck is small. Reign of Kongs is huge. Yeah. as It's, like, massive. Well, you had to fit those, what, 32 people in? Although I'm pretty sure they fit. I think it's 72. I think 72? the truck fits 72 guests. Ooh. See, I didn't research that. Yeah, Should five, I have? Five Definitely. guests a row, 14. Well, here's the thing. I also commend Universal on officially closing off the first row for good because oh, yeah, the yeah. sight lines are so bad. So they were willing to sacrifice capacity. And for the longest time, I think maybe the first three or four years of the ride operating, just a little rope across the front row. The last time I went, instead of the rope across the front row, they put a couple of crates there to make it look as if that row was never open. And I was just like, it's the little things, the little details that they're still investing in this ride. They're keeping it up to date. You know, it's just such a little immersion thing. Now... Don't get me started on the single rider line for the ride, which is atrocious and goes behind the rock work. So you oh, see, yeah. you see like the steel frame of the building, and you're going in like a back door, and it, it it may be the worst single rider line ever conceived by mankind. Because you're essentially just going through an employee entrance, so there's no care about continuity or detail. 
which really stinks because I feel like they should have just designed it with a single rider line. But I digress. Yeah. Although to be fair, I don't think many single riders rider lines, at least Universal, um, that are coming to mind, really uh, tie in with the theming all that much. Maybe maybe Forbidden Journey. Forbidden well, Forbidden Journeys Transformers is right next to Express, so you get the same story. Oh, yeah. Gringotts, I mean, you skip everything, but you still have the transition from the bank to the uh, caverns. Yeah. Well, that's Although actually, you never got the uh, elevator. That's, that's actually more accurate to the books than the elevator itself, because in the books, I remember reading Sorcerer's Stone, and she's like, and slowly the office walls faded away to these, you know, kind of dingy caverns. Like, it's, it almost seems like a magical transition, and that's actually what the single rider line does, which I think is really interesting. That's true. <laughs> um, based on what I remember reading. But single rider lines, like even Men in Blacks, like at least you're, single rider line. You're, you're, not, you're not seeing the inside of the facade. It would be like, what's, because uh, the rock work's not even finished inside. It's literally, it just really sucks. Yeah. Although sometimes you do get some wonderful surprises in the single rider line. Uh, one time we saw a mouse, a field mouse. We named him Konga Mouse. I screamed like a little girl, and that's another reason why we're recording this podcast at 11.41 p.m. on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes, Adam squealed at Kong Mouse. It has now become something of a running joke that anytime it's a mouse, it is the Kong Mouse. He has somehow made it I saw Mickey Mouse at Disney the other day and went, ah, oh, Kong Mouse. <laughs> that i think happened <laughs> it's it's so hard to tell but the single riders line yeah definitely by far even more so than the attraction it's, it's the weakest part but yeah i think if if they took advantage of the trackless ride system more and obviously it's hard this ride is a beast already at like almost seven minutes long even though it doesn't feel like it um but it's just because of how slowly paced it is with the the pacing of the truck, I think, and the fact that it's not in continuous motion. Um, so it does make it feel... I think you talked about how this was one of the greatest cinematic experiences at the parks. And I mean, yeah. I think um, pacing-wise, definitely, because you think about something like Spider-Man... That's starting, that's starting the attraction in the queue. Well, I feel like a lot of rides, people don't think about that. They just think about the ride as the one, Act 1, 2, 3. With Kong, it's the cinematic adventure is paced throughout the entire island experience right and yeah that because because skull island is a self-contained land it's allowed to do that and to give you that fully immersive experience from the moment you step in you kind of hear the area music which is unique to that attraction ah oh, dude the skull island reign of kong score is so great you don't you don't talk about that in the video but the original no. score man that is that's is one of the things that makes the ride i just had that like on repeat as i was editing it's just, it's so good. I don't know. The, the, that Kong theme has no right to be as good it is, as it is. No, and I love it because I love it, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't mention it in the video. But it is a lot like, I want to say it was James Newton Howard. It's, it's very similar to his score for the 2005 King Kong movie that it's inspired by, the writer's inspired by. Um, but it also has that kind of, uh, John Williams Jurassic Park feel, which makes it feel right at home, right next to Jurassic Park, uh, which ties in to one of our favorite people, 
uh, in theme park, or at least he's he's on my MVP list, and that's William Ross. Um, he's the composer of this uh, theme, of the Skull Island Run of Kong theme. He did all the music in the ride. He also arranged all the music in um, Galaxy's Edge and the Wizarding World of Harry Potter uh, and many others. What is it? This dude's a champ. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he uh, arranged the music for Chamber of Secrets. Like, he did the orchestrations, I think. Uh, so the guy's got a huge you know, track record, very successful track record. Um, and it wasn't until really researching theme parks and finding out this song is so good, who did it? And finding out it's William Ross. Um, he, he really is the MVP of this attraction, which now I feel really bad that I didn't mention his name once in, in the video. Uh, but yeah, William Ross, look him up. Yeah, and I think I put in the Watch More a link to all the different music tracks from Kong. Oh, yeah, uh, so yeah, if yeah. you want to just check our Watch Later playlist. Another thing about Kong that I think is really fascinating is when I wrote it with my sister, she she had like the the first time she had never ridden it before. And even on subsequent rides, she was still confused about the final 360 scene. She was like, I could have sworn we moved to a second room during the raptor chase scene. Like I could have sworn insane. we were moving forward. And, I, and then like, so what happened was, the, I think it was like the second or third time we rode, we broke down right as we were coming out of that scene, but before Kong. And we were stuck mm. there for a few minutes. So, uh the screen behind us it reset and then went back to the first frame and when you see it from just looking back she was like wait all that happened in that room that that's so small and i'm like yeah all that happened in that room so even though the 3d isn't perfect and you know it has some sightline issues if you're on either side of the truck it still makes the room feel massive compared to what it would feel like otherwise yeah Um, even if you can see the edges of the screen um i don't know if i mentioned in the video but like if you can see the the edges, everything is matched up so well that I still feel like there's a dinosaur next to me. It's just his head might get cut off a little bit, but I think he's there. Yeah. Oh, I think another thing that was uh, worth mentioning was the fact that in the original version of the ride uh, premiered during soft openings, Kate did not come back at the end. I could have sworn, the first time I wrote it, I swore she died. Not that, again, I don't want to be pushing for <laughs> deaths of characters especially those that don't get representation in theme park rides. But I thought she got shwaced. I remember like when the claw came out, spoilers if you haven't been on the ride, but if you haven't, why are you listening to this? Um, when the claw came out and grabbed her, went, ooh, my God, gosh, Kate, I cared for you. I hope, I hope, I hope that was a good last moment. But yeah, as you're saying, that is actually how it ended. Her story ended at first. But go on with what you're saying. I, I've yet, I've yet to find YouTube video of this though. So yeah, me too. Uh, if anybody can send us uh, the original version of Kong where Kate, uh, uh, <laughs> send me an email. That, that, I wasn't trying. Uh. <laughs> he he thinks it's funny. No. <laughs> and and his description of his emotions at Kate's death were like, ah, oh, I cared for you. <laughs> Listen, there, most theme park rides are so, like, passive that even, like, on Harry Potter, I don't care what happens to Harry. He's going to make it. I've seen the movies. But this is an original character, and to make me care about this character in, gosh, what, five minutes? Five, six I minutes. I think well done. Hey, Millie, you en route with the supplies and so replacement supplies for Team 2. There's, like, a weird audio edit uh, as you're going around the first turn. I don't know if you've noticed this. Was the I edit? Think- 
I think they clip the audio a little bit. Are you en route with the... And then there's like a beat, and it's like replacements and supplies for Team 2. And the thing is, that's not the part that changes. The cha- the thing that changes every time is the name, because she'll be like, uh, uh, what is it, Kalana or Jinx. Becky. But the, the weird audio clipping for Millie's, part of Millie's line is like, at the same part in every ride. And I have a hard time, like, I, I can send you the a ride POV, but you'll be able to hear it. It's just not the proper cadence for how you deliver something like that. It's like, Millie, are you en route with the replacements and supplies for Team 2? Hmm. It's interesting. Never there was only one last thing I wanted to mention about Kong, uh, but that's that the sound design of the attraction itself is superb, particularly in the final Kong scene, where the way they've placed the subwoofers, it involves both speakers that make it seem like the sound is coming directly from Kong, as well as subwoofers on the floor that create this vibration sensation in the truck, in addition to the in-truck audio. Uh, It's just an incredibly layered uh, sound palette on the attraction, which I feel like kind of goes unnoticed. Yeah. I think it would have been enhanced if they had somehow, like, air blow out of Kong because that's a big guy big sound don't really feel it I feel don't really feel it I feel English are hard I mean um, when but... you're talking how much how much air is coming out of your mouth okay but I'm if not as big roar. as King Kong if you go roar you... make make a roar sound put your hand in front of your face how, how much air comes out? <laughs> I, I found the name for our podcast Rawr. Rawr. <laughs> dinosaurs but yes good observation um i had another point but i think it kind of ties in or kind of uh shimmies if you will uh, shimmy shimmy like a yeah into the next topic which is why do we do kong why why do we do kong what 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 change um like did it change anything was it just kind of something that that we came up with um, I don't know why I'm asking the questions because I think I'm the one with some of these answers. <laughs> but well, you can say why we end up going through with it. I'll say why I um, proposed it, if you will, um, if that's cool with you. No, no, that's fine. I, I remember this. This video has been in the works for a long time. Uh, Ooh, we shot since. it. We shot it in October, but I remember, like, I think October the year before like recording the kong q audio uh for this video that was back before we had even uh finalized the draft for the first story video because i was really excited about the kong video because i remember standing there just for 30 minutes in the line with my little recorder that i brought to the park recording the kong q audio getting awkward stares as i just stood there yeah you posted that 12 months ago oh so that was a full okay so that was yeah i guess i recorded that like a year ago and that was yeah. in preparation for this video because I was like, as Adam was writing it, I was like, you should probably hear the full Q audio loop because it does have a lot of really neat story beats. It's not essential to the ride, yeah. but it really, it fleshes out the characters and things that you don't see in other places. So like, who's running the expedition? It's Sir Robert Ashmore Wallace. And in the in the radio interviews, you get a sense of who he is and why he started the expedition. You don't get that anywhere else on the ride. You also get interviews with Kate and Jinx and uh, Dr. Okay, so at the end of the ride, they're like, uh, Kate's like, uh, Driver, uh, are you ready to go pick up Dr. Krillman's team in the West Gorge? Well, in the Q audio, 
we learn that Dr. Krillman is actually an archaeologist and a paleontologist. So it makes sense that her team would be digging in the West Gorge because uh, she's the one, you know, looking for the bones and good at unearthing. So it's a lot of the little continuity things that the Q audio provides for the larger story. And then if you look at the whiteboards, they're all full of names. Almost everybody on those you'll hear on the Q audio. And it's just one of those things that you think about it, most people will never hear this because if you are in unfortunate, well, not unfortunate, but if you are in a situation where you're waiting for an extended time in that outside queue, there's no way you're paying attention to what they're saying because the crowd is so loud that it's going to get drowned out anyways. But I just yeah. think, I think that's absolutely beautiful. They went to the work to create these characters, cast them. The only time... Develop them. <laughs> yeah, the, and the only time most of them appear is in this outdoor radio, except for like Millie, the drivers, Kate, Joe, Juan, and... Uh... <laughs> but, oh, but I mean, you also hear the drivers and such on radio conversations in... Uh in the preload area. But it's just really cool that, you know, before all of the main plot gets in action, you get this larger sense of world building through this extensive radio program. Yeah, because it was supposed to, I mean, it still is one of our first videos, I guess you can say, at least if you're looking at our main series of video essays. Yeah. It's been a year since our first one, so one of our first videos is very loose. Um, in a way, I feel like I know we're still in like season one. It feels like we just started season two, um, because this video just feels so different uh, from the others. Because you know we're growing, we're developing, we're evolving in, in this way. Um, but I just wanted to do a Kong video because when I wrote it the first time, I thought it was my new favorite ride at Universal. I no longer think that, um, but it, there are all these details in these. Um, this story and this immersion that I thought was totally unique from anywhere else. And so while Jonathan was writing uh, the best Harry Potter ride, Forbidden Journey versus Gringotts, versus Escape to, to Gring, from Gringotts, that was actually supposed to be our first video. And I went off and wrote what makes uh, Skull Island Brain of Kong great. If you read the first draft, which I don't think anyone should, it's awful. It's really bad. Oh, no, Some of you might no. think our current draft is awful. That's okay. But um, I, I did try to fit too much in there. Um, this is how shaking up the original plan. The original plan was to do uh, Potter, Kong, and maybe some other things. I don't know if we had those set in stone yet. 
but that's pretty much the plan. But from this video, this one script on Reign of Kong, like three other videos were birthed because it was so jam-packed and messy with stuff. And actually, the intro of that video, or maybe like some part towards the beginning, that actually went on to become our first video, What Makes Theme Park Story um, Important? Why Does It Matter? Um, so that was actually birthed out of this Kong video. But I wanted to do that because do Kong in the first place because it is a, a great story ride. It's a great immersive ride. Um, and there's a lot of hidden details in there that I get every other, every time I ride it, I, I learn something new about this world and, and these characters. Um, and one complaint or one criticism I hear of the ride pretty often is that, why is it a simulator? Screens! Oh, why is it a screen ride? Screens! Oh, there's too many screens at Universal. Screens! And, like, the impulses, but no, you have the giant rock work. You have the, those giant gates at the beginning, which are from the movie, which I think is so cool. Um, you have these bats. You have this you know, skeleton prop. You have the giant Kong animated figure at the end. You know, I can say, oh, you've got all these things, but the beef of the ride is not that. But I do understand the criticism, but at the end of the day, I feel like in order to tell this story outside the whole King Kong 360 3D port is that this, that screens and simulator was the best way to tell the story. I don't think you could do this with practical effects, even with rise of the resistance, which is super practical or Hagrid, which is super practical. Um, I don't know if an expedition team facing monsters and being saved by Kong and coming face to face with Kong. I don't know if even on those scales, you could have told the story entirely practically. Um, and I, I feel like the effects are so well mapped and so well done, uh, which is something I want to highlight in the video. And I, I, I feel like we did a good job. You know, everything is so well put together that I don't think about that. I don't think that I'm watching a screen, even though I am in the ride. I think everything else transcends. It. I think the craft is so good and the story is just right for this technology that um, I don't think it should have been a practical I was going to say, yeah, like every every part on Skull Island Reign of Kong that's not um, that's not a screen is something that they thought, this part of the story we need a practical effect for and we can do it. The parts that are screens are parts that you could not accomplish as well with practical effects, uh, just based off the design and the storytelling of the ride, which I think is, um, it's, it's very important, and I think... You look at other rides like uh, Rise the Resistance, and it's it's one of those where it's like the reason they're not as panned is because they combined the animatronics and the screens where they're necessary. Like for example, like when you're on the transport, uh, Universal might have done a Musion effect for Commander Beck. Um, yeah, and Lieutenant Beck. And then, or Lieutenant Beck, and then you'd still have the screens. Whereas nobody's going to rat on Disney for using screens to show the space battle, um, right? On both sides, but it's you know it's supplementary to. I mean, think about it, like even when you get into the giant hangar, that is a huge screen, but it's yeah. supplemented by the stormtroopers that are standing there, and you have the pit, uh, the, acting. the the acting, the practical set of the transport vehicle, and. This is and you're a, just wowed by an awesome room transition effect, too. This is true. But I think another thing that would be really interesting to discuss would be within the actual physical ride portions of attractions, uh, how guests respond to 
complete stops to watch characters talk. This is something a lot of people complain about with Gringotts, and I don't even think I brought this up in the video. But, mm -hmm. like, after you go through the first roller coaster portion, you sit there, and you stop, and you watch Harry, Ron, and Bill, and they have a conversation that lasts, I want to say, about 15 seconds, and it's literally just the characters in front of you having a conversation in the middle of what's supposed to be a thrill ride. And mm -hmm. I think when you get on Kong, and you get to that first scene, it's like, hey, Joe, can you get me some light? The truck is just sitting there still. They're getting attacked by bats. You're basically just watching the scene play out. Yeah. Uh, the truck has, is not involved in any motion until the worm scene, and that's when you get on the first motion base. Which I have to wonder if that takes away from guests' enjoyment, if they feel like at any point during the ride experience itself that they're just watching a movie, or that they're not getting the bang for their buck on their four or five minutes of ride time because there's not anything immediately engaging. Because like, like when you think about something like Rise of the Resistance. Spoiler alert for Rise of the Resistance, I suppose. <laughs> it manages to fit those story beats, but the ride itself never, it never pauses to take a breather. There's always, <laughs> you're, you're, you never stop to just watch people talk. Or if you do, it's for like two seconds or less. Yeah, no, you are always moving in there. So much so that you might even notice Finn right. hiding out behind some crates. Yeah, I didn't even notice Finn the first time I rode. I didn't even see his animatronic. But yeah, I think that would be a fun thing to talk about further at some point if we ever get around to that video is uh, slow moments and big attractions. Waste yeah, of time. Write that down. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're listening to the podcast back. I'm sure I'm sure you'll... Uh... Uh, this is true. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Other moments where there's nothing happening in and a theme track. park rides or in Kong? No, no, in, a, in just a theme park ride where you're just stopping and watching characters and not Ellen's energy adventure. So even on Omnimovers, you're moving... Oh, Figment. Figment, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that, that ride has a fantastic reputation right now. There's many stops and starts in Figment. It has a very strange ride system. Yeah, now that you mention it. But it's like a reverse Omni... Not reverse Omni-Mover, but like it's a jerry-rigged Omni-Mover. It was an Omni-Mover when it opened. They use the same kind of track, but they stop in different scenes because they cut out a lot of the track. That's true. Yeah, that's got a lot of start and stop. But I don't think that's why people dislike the ride. No. Kilimanjaro Safaris, that's a that's a ride onto itself. Dinosaur doesn't when it, it it like slows down, I don't think it ever stops during the ride. Um it stops in front of the Carnotaur. But never That's true, it does like, stop it does stop. The Carnotaur doesn't have a conversation with the Velociraptor and say, Hey, you wanna eat him first? <laughs> that's that is a very action packed moment of the ride and the stopping is used to increase. But yeah, I think it's just an interesting Interesting thing that people, you know, they talk about Gringotts, and I think the pacing of it is brilliant. Perhaps that's just because it's cinematic. I think the same thing about Kong. But perhaps people don't like, after waiting 90 minutes, to be just sitting in front of a screen watching characters talk after they just had this epic roller coaster portion of the ride. It's like, <laughs> you wet my appetite. You best oh, you're be ready. You're talking about Gringotts now. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Gringotts. Because yeah. I think it's just like, uh, what is it? Arresto Memento. It's like, then Harry, what are you doing here? We're just, is, is, it's just like, let's talk for 20 minutes until Ron points out that there's trolls. And believe me, I love that. But it, the, that conversation has nothing to do with us. And it, it's just happening in front of us. But it needed to happen for the sure. story to make sense. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's kind of cool that, you know, we're witnessing this conversation. But again, I have an extreme Gringotts bias, so... Yeah, 
and honestly, the stops and starts in Kong, they mostly work for me because if we had just jumped to 360, I wouldn't, I, it wouldn't have been one of my favorite rides of all time when I wrote it the first time. I wouldn't have made a video essay on it. You know, I mean, maybe I would, but it would be a different kind of video essay because the queue has a lot of setup. The ride also has its own setup um, where you can go in single riders and still have a full experience. Even if you skip, you know, Halloween Horror Nights Light and the Shaman or the Shawoman um, and the skeletons and the mummies and giant baby worms. That feeling um, when the one room in Kong's queue is better than all of Navi River Journey. Which one? <laughs> the one with the Shawoman. Oh, I see. That was a reference. Because <laughs> he's a shaman, shawo- but technically Navi's is a Shawoman too, but. We should not get into semantics here. Now is no. neither time nor place. No. 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 No semantics. <laughs> Viewers at home, you might recognize that as a reference to something. I don't know what it is. But perhaps you do. Maybe I'll just cut this out. Who knows? It's Revenge of the Sith. No. 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 Yes. <laughs> Hold out the Force Lightning hands. Oh yeah, yeah. What's next on our uh, discussion list? I think. Oh, uh, you can cut this perhaps, but I I think we we didn't mention in the video how great the night rides are um, because of the fire effects. They have continued to keep yeah, working. Yeah. Start start that sentence like you're about to make a point. Okay. <laughs> One last thing that I think uh, we should mention before Kong uh, before we close out this section of the show is how great the night rides on Kong are and the fact that they have kept up the uh, fire effects the two fire torches before the gate so not only do you get the physical effect of the gate opening and this thing is massive i'd almost say this is, this is a visual effect that as far as scale i think it's really only rivaled on an attraction by diagonally's maybe diagonally's dragon and with the fire and maybe rise of the resistance ATATs. i don't think there's a another attraction reveal as far as height on that grand scale of uh, the gates of Kong. But at the same time, you know, people, they talk about, oh, well, this ride, you know, it's just another simulator. But I'm sorry, driving through those gates as right next to me, there's this giant torch that I can feel the heat from, you know, as as as, as I'm driving by. That That is incredible to me. I just think j- just the, the ambiance of the whole, the whole intro scene to Kong is one of the greatest... I would I would be willing to say that is one of the greatest attraction scenes ever ever created. I think even more so than uh not that I don't enjoy the 360 portion, but again, I'll only get a perfect ride on that if I'm sitting in the center. Um again, I have to I have to think to be immersed, so to speak. Um I am immersed only if I take this like, "Oh yeah, I don't see that the screen's cutting off. I totally can't see that." Uh, riding on the edges but that that opening scene where your driver's talking the musical score is nice and soft and you hear the natives chanting and you go through the fire and you see the gate open that is that is a fantastic scene which means the ride does become lesser when it's raining i'm glad they can still run it when it's raining but have you ever ridden it while it's raining not when it's raining but sometimes when it is daylight or night but it's dry Sometimes they'll uh, send us through the 
alternate route um, because maybe the gates aren't working. It's such a funny. It's such a funny story. Beat. It's like we have found a secret passage in the caves. We're going right in. <laughs> We're going on an expedition to find Kate and <laughs> but we found a secret cave. So the purpose of this show isn't just to you know talk more and more about these rides that we like um, and these subjects that we talk about in our videos, but it's also give a little peek behind the curtain, you know, hear from the Wizard of Oz and a strange metaphor that I just came up with on the spot that probably won't hold up. But uh, yeah, what are some notable shooting memories, Jonathan, that, that you have? I remember kind of just laying on my back waiting for Adam to get the take right a hundred times saying, he's like, was that take good? And I'm like, was that take good? As, as my phone runs out of storage for recording that, oh yes, we, we shoot all of Theme Park Workshop on my Galaxy S9 in 4K, 24 frames per second, in case anybody was wondering. And that gives me a lot of space to play with in the editing. The entire show, if you haven't guessed, is shot on a green screen. Um, what? No, I thought we actually had a blue room. I know. I thought right? this the whole time, and I'm always there. That That's right. We, we just built the blue room with our AdSense revenue from our 86 subscribers, I think. No, but as far as shooting, there, there were some lines that Adam just couldn't get right. There was one line that we definitely rewrote. It was something like, you, you oh, were talking cool. about, like, uh, this this ride is like a perfect short film. And the opening credits are playing over the... I don't, did that make it into the final cut? Dude, I don't even know. <laughs> no, it was it was, it was was something like... Did the beefy short film line make it in? I, I think it might have made it in. But I, I know we rewrote something along those lines. Because... So this was the original line. This is the line as it is in the script. First of all, the whole Skull Island section is like a beefy short film on its own. All on its own especially if you get the perfect pace in a 30 to 45 minute wait. Oh, we definitely cut It also feels very much structured like an adventure film. You look at the traction from a camera eye and splice it like an editor and get a film. Oh, it was that. That's it. it. No, no, we kept we kept the beefy short film. We cut this whole looking at it like a It also feels very much structured like an adventure film. You can look at this attraction from a camera eye and splice it like an editor and get a film. <laughs> well, no dip, Sherlock. <laughs> We, I think we took that line, and then you looked at me, and I'm like, you're like, does that sound right? And I'm like, no, it really doesn't. He's like, but you read the script. I read the script. We both reread the script. We went over it before we started shooting, because we always, before we shoot, we go over the script one last time just to make sure there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> we clearly missed that. Oh, uh, yeah. And if you wonder, like, man, why does it take forever for some of these videos to come out? Well, I'll tell you, especially with this one, we had a lot of, of actually troubles with this because we were going to film this in September, something like that. Uh, if you look at our Twitter um, history on at Workshop TP, um, you can see like the day we're going to film this. And I'm like, guys, I'm so excited. We're going to film a new video. And then we got this brand new lavalier. So if you hear the sound, oh, so beautiful. And, uh, well, then it broke. I remember. It broke. <laughs> and, like, well, I guess we're not filming today. Um, and so that got pushed back until we could get a log. And then I think something else happened that got to be pushed back. But we filmed it the same day as we did the Hagrid's hour-long review video. 
We filmed on the same day. You'll know because of my coral polo. Shot on the same day. It came out three months later. But that's because Adam here had a lot of bloopers. Um, so many bloopers. And it wasn't really bloopers. It was more like, gosh dang it, Adam. Get the dang line right. So Jonathan's a trooper for, one, hearing it all in production, and two, going through all that in post-production. It, you know, it's it, when you watch the final cut, like even as I watch the final cut, I'm like, this is so easy. He gave all the lines perfectly. And then I, I completely forget about the fact that I, each of those lines had about 20 different uh, failed takes before I was able to find. And, you know, even before I have to sort through the takes, I have to sync the audio for all of the takes, um, which is a task in and of itself. So then once I've synced all the audio, then it's like, and, and you know, it's, it's hard because I can't just press like, ooh, delete that clip because, like, I never know if I'm going to need something. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I find if I don't know where to start editing is I'll just put something in and then I'll play it from there. And if that take works temporarily, I'll keep it in and I'll move on to the next shot. And then if I find that a shot just doesn't work acting quality wise compared to the others or whatever, I'll cut that and look for something else. Or if there's like an audio take that uh, the mic hit or something like that. Oh, I've been learning in film classes is slightly off topic, but related to our production. Uh, most lobs. They actually just like tape them onto their chest with this special tape so they can hide them underneath their shirts um, so you don't see them on set. So we need to get some of that special tape and we'll have the second lav. Um, and we'll have two lavs now because the other lav is still perfectly usable. We just broke the, <laughs> we broke the stupid clip. Trying to get the lav into the clip, we broke the clip. <sighs> Where did we break the lav to? I, I bought the lav used on eBay, so I blame myself. I was going to sing a song, but we get copywritten. But wait a minute, that's not the past tense. Anywho, but but it, it's copyrighted, maybe I don't know. But it, copy it, she wrote. It, it's it's one of those things where production wise, we're trying to do something that's this isn't just we went to Disney and vlogged, and I had to cut the vlog and add music and a montage. And the show that we're trying to produce is full of. I don't want to say complex visual effects, but uh, time-consuming visual effects to perfect, especially when the lighting changes between shots because I'm an amateur filmmaker, so I have to adjust the color grading for different shots and the key. And uh, you'll you definitely see that in our first two videos. Yeah, the, I don't think it's bad, but definitely room for improvement. The quality is definitely... It's, it's slowly uh, getting better as far as production, and that's just, you know... Uh, as skills improve with time but now we've got clean audio which i think was that was the biggest thing that our first two videos were missing uh was crisp consistent audio um so really technically i think this uh our most recent the kong video is the height of where we are technically but yeah. again in addition to we were talking about just why it takes so long to edit you have the banshee parts um and the thing is when we record banshee on set we don't have his actual voice so what we do is we have uh, whoever is not playing Banshee do temporary a temporary version of the lines and responses. And then in post-production, we go back and re-record the lines based off the visual takes. So in editing... As we know, Balthasar Banshee is a very temperamental individual. Yes, this is true. And when you're dealing with... Uh, I think we shot three different angles. When I, I, first, I first do the edit... Um, based off what I think the pacing should be as far as character and emotion and uh, specifically which takes of yours are the best because Banshees are a bit easier to adjust emotionally than yours are. 
um, as far as takes and, you know, your line delivery. But so once I've got that cut together, then I have to take a look at the cut that I've put together and be like, okay, let's try and dub Banshee. And then I'm like, oh, wait, this take that I chose, the Adam's performance was really good. Banshee's dub doesn't match up at all. So now I have to go find another take of this scene from Banshee. And hopefully that one is lip synced better um, from the same spot. So it's just a long process to get Banshee and then I have to dub and then I have to cut the dub and then I have to make sure the dub all sounds like I didn't just talk into the mic as Balthazar Banshee and, uh, and just drop it into the comp. So I have to add kind of a reverb uh, tone and make sure that it sounds like you two are in the same room together that I'm Banshee are in the same room together, which is actually even harder. Um, but it's it's just a very it's a time consuming process to bring what I think is a really unique aspect of our channel uh, and I think an important one uh, to life and I'd I'd rather take the time to get it right than uh, do something that is um, I don't want to say derivative but like uh, too similar to what other theme park YouTubers do because you have you know, like you know Coaster Studios he started out as somebody who. Like, he essentially just did, like, power... He recorded voiceover narration. He made PowerPoints about coasters. And he's obviously gotten a lot better since. Um, but essentially, that is still the thing, is talking about coasters and then coaster cinematic footage and reviews. And even his reviews are still... Like, they don't show his face. It's just the video that's kind of playing over him talking about it. Uh, and you get that from a lot of theme park YouTubers where it's just an audio recording with video going... Or you have YouTubers like uh, Rob Plays, where it's more production intensive, um, but still it it kind of falls into the. Uh, it, it's like a very specific category of YouTuber. I don't uh, I don't really know how to put it. But we're also we're not talking about history specifically. Like you know you have Expedition Theme Park, Theme Park History, Defunct Land. Yeah, like a whole subgenre of channels that are about that. You have like Alicia Stella, who again you go into the. Uh, the voice with the pictures over, which is kind of like a mini video essay, um, which isn't bad. Like great scoops. What? Oh no, she's amazing scoops, and that's but that's what she's good at. It would be bad for us to take our channel and be like, all right, we're talking theme park rumors, and you know, yeah, we would make up the rumors. Let's be real, <laughs> and it would not be a a good thing. It wouldn't. Um, yeah, us. and I think uh, given given that you know the show is scripted and. We're hoping to bring in uh, other elements since the show is scripted um, into future episodes. And the fact that we have you as a writer for it, I think I want to take... I don't want to be like... What's the word? I don't want to be like taking advantage of you in that sense. But I'm really taking advantage of the fact that I have you as as the writer for this show. That we can do things like that and it doesn't come off as... Uh, like, like we can have a character like Balthazar and you can write an argument with something like what does Balthazar say in this episode? He's like, the salient part of the experience. <laughs> oh yeah, quoting um, Daniel Kahneman. Like, I, I would never, I would never know that, but that, that even though I like conceptualized Balthazar Banshee, um, I think like the certain ticks that you add to him, of him just being this pretentious Diz Twitter theme park blogger type, um, I think like knowing things like that, it just, it just makes him seem like so much more of a jerk, but also a smart jerk who's making a point. Um, and I really like that. Yeah, and 
I love working with you because you're able to take some of the sillier parts or some of the more boring parts and you do some some uh, different, uh, not furnishes, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Flourishes. Flourishes. That's the word. Uh, like first episode, we're shopping it with Adam Johnson, not the script. Um, the whole thing where you put in my face as a 13 year old like reacting to these different attractions not in the script but awesome Um, or like playing back uh, the barnstormer is that a commercial? I mean what (laughs) I I honestly it was a throwaway joke friends it was a throwaway joke and now it's become a running gag <laughs> it, it really was and it was one of those where when i was looking for barnstorm thing i was just like i saw it and i was like oh it's this old it's like this old disney barnstormer promo and it's got that music that if in the proper context could sound traumatic <laughs> just like we're using this that music came with the video that wasn't my choice what no that music was part <laughs> of the commercial the do 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 that that was not me that was the original i thought that was you i no. had no idea that was the see bar- friends we learn something new on this show all the time peeling back behind the curtain you're learning from the wizard of the long-haired wizard of oz himself <laughs> that is true i'm the long-haired wizard of oz don't let it go to your head <laughs> um but yeah you're also like game with crazier ideas like like, hey, Jonathan, what if we did this story trilogy? This one script didn't work. What if we made it longer and three parts? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you get a green light. Like, we got an episode coming up. I swear it's going to be like 40 minutes long if we put it all together. And he's like, yeah, totally. Sure, let's go with it. Uh, we've got some crazier ideas in the the uh, canal. Um, I don't know if that's a saying, but I'm going to roll with it. Um, that Did you I'm say roll with it? Now. What? Did you say I'm going to roll with it? I didn't, but I should have. Oh, I was going to be like, that was a pretty clever pun. It's like, I got other ideas in the canal. I don't know if that's saying, but we're going to row with it. I was like, yes, excellent. Yes, we're going to row with it. Uh, not going to get into it now, but I'm just saying, you're going to see some weird stuff coming up. It's going to be great weird stuff. Um, and as long as he's game, I'm game. Um, not not that he doesn't have some strange ideas himself. I mean, Balasar Banshee making this partly a puppet show um, and making the puppet a... Uh, pretentious theme park blogger i mean that's insane it's great um the whole santa bit that we put into this video friends i had just put they succeeded in spades or something like that you know a normal saying he said i don't think this is how the saying goes what if you say they deliver like santa and then you saw what happened (laughs) and i like it the santa tirade we did two takes of that i think the first take you broke down so we had to do a second take, and it was it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I I didn't I did not provide any of those ideas. I don't think I'd have to listen back to the onset footage. But I was like, I think you want to go back to that dark place. <laughs> I don't I don't want to go back to the dark place of having four hours of footage for a thirteen minute video. No, <laughs> but but uh, I I think we shot Banshee on a different day too, and it was. Oh yeah, Banshee was. Oh, we shot this over two days. You right? Maybe three. I feel like we shot the ending on a separate day. Maybe I don't know. Honestly, it feels like we shot it for five months. It, it really does. I'm <laughs> I'm very happy this video is out and done. And um, <laughs> as far as editing, yeah, it's 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 one of those where one of the things that I just try to do when uh, bringing these videos to life is to make them visual. Like there's so many YouTube videos 
I'll make it two minutes in and I have another tab open and I'm checking Twitter or Facebook or something else. And the thing that I want to do is I want to, if you're paying attention and watching it, the visuals are not only supporting what Adam's saying, but they're also providing an extra level of not necessarily comedy, but uh, visual intrigue um, to it. So like when Adam says, you know, uh, I had an out-of-body experience, uh, I thought, well, wouldn't it be a clever transition if I just made him <laughs> duplicate the layer uh, and have a second version of him <laughs> and just lower lower it so he looks like a ghost and then he can just be in front of the footage. And that's that's less work for me, also more work. But at the same time, you know, it's reinforcing visualities and then... If you're watching it, you make that connection. It's like, oh, it was kind of a, a clever little thing, and it keeps you more engaged with the video. Um, but then there's also like the more subtle stuff, like when Banshee's having his kind of pity party about how his uh, moving sidewalks video failed, like a turd in the wind, like uh, adding a uh, slow camera zoom in on his face uh, as he's saying that. You know, that requires because it is a green screen, so you got to place the background, you got to add like a Gaussian blur to make it look like it's a closer camera shot uh, with the background blurred since uh, cell phone cameras surprisingly don't have great uh, aperture adjustments, you know? You don't say. Yeah, no, it's, it's almost like the lens is flat, but I digress. So, <laughs> um, but it's it's little things like that that they say with filmmaking, um, shooting with a cell phone will get the job done. But, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like if you're trying to... Uh, put in a nail with a toothpick or with a hammer. Y that's that, that's not the right saying. I, I messed that up. Well, I, oh, I also uh, made up a canal thing, so I mean we're both in the same uh, same kayak. Oh, I, I remember. I remember. It's uh, you can dig a hole, but you're gonna go a lot faster if you have a jackhammer and not a pickaxe. You can still get there, but the pickaxe is gonna take longer. And so I think that metaphor or simile or whatever that was, analogy, is the perfect way to end our editing segment and why it takes us so long to put together these videos. Well, there you have it. Oh, there's one really funny thing. When we were writing this video, uh, Adam, he asked me to rewrite because at this point he didn't have a universal pass. He was like, can you rewrite it and tell me if there's a mechanism on top of the truck to make oh, it look right. like so when Kate is flying over when the bats have taken her, like it looks like... Uh, She's like falling on top of the truck and like fighting with the bats, and then she goes in the next scene. I was like, Adam, that that seems incredibly complex for something like that. He's like, No, no, I'm sure that that's an effect. Alas, it was the wind from the truck moving forward that made the top flaps move in such a way. But uh, you know, props props to Adam for believing that Universal uh, went that <laughs> extra mile. Yeah, that's how long this video has taken. When we started this whole thing, I didn't have a pass. I now have like. Six months left in my 18-month pass or something like that. <laughs> Probably more, but, you know, still. Yeah, it's, um, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, no, I'm really glad we got this out. I'm glad we tried this little thing out. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any less thoughts on Kong, because we'll probably never talk about this right ever again. It's done. Actually, it might fit into story part three. Who knows? The future is still uh, in the future. Uh, yeah, and uh, just before we go, one last thing is we, we touched a little bit on this, but uh, we talked about, you know, the types of videos that we want to make and the story video and everything else. And, you know, why why Kong? And you talked about how, you know, it, it became your universal or your favorite universal attraction. But I think the rides that we talk about, 
Um, all of them have some sort of unique aspect that makes them interesting. Like, I think one of the rides we've talked about doing a video on for a while is Antarctic Empire of the Penguin. Mm-hmm. And I think there's that that attraction in and of itself is just so fascinating uh, of a case study of an attraction when you think about how it was created and the story and everything and the ride system they chose and the certain places where they cut corners. Like, it's just fun to talk about and to think about that ride. And not every ride is like that. Um, some rides, it's just like, yeah, it's perfect. What else can I really add to the discourse? Um, and that's not to say that we should always just be presenting our hot takes um, to get the clicks and the views and uh, to be controversial. But I think it's just it's good to talk about things that um, are interesting or worth talking about. I agree. Well, with that, I guess we're done. Jonathan, where can the people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Wesley as you wish. Uh, that's right, Wesley, like uh, Princess Bride, and as you wish, like the Princess Bride at Wesley as you wish. And I see double Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit, and uh, inconceivable. I, I I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah. So where where can the people find you, Adam? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Adam J underscore Film. Uh, you can also follow my movie thoughts at adamsfinalcut.com. Um, trying to get better about updating that. Um, and, of course, you can follow uh, Theme Park Workshop on the YouTubes. Just look up Theme Park Workshop. That's and right. you, can follow, you can follow them on Twitter, too, at WorkshopTP. Why WorkshopTP? Because Theme Park Workshop is too long for Twitter, but it's not for Instagram where you can find us at Theme Park Workshop, where, you know what? Maybe we decide, we're going to go to the parks. I'm going to show you the parks. And we'll, we'll, or maybe we'll show some behind-the-scenes stuff in too. Who knows? It's a great mystery. Um, yeah. And a great, <laughs> big, beautiful tomorrow. We should probably come up with some sort of... This, uh, oh, yeah, shining at the end of every day. I, I should let you finish it. Go ahead. Shining at the end of every day. That's right. And there's the copyright police are coming. So, Jonathan, wrap us up and take us home. So, we should probably come up with a... A goodbye saying. Goodbye. <laughs> this has been Theme Park Workshop, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like the podcast, subscribe, and leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you are listening to this podcast. This podcast has been edited by Adam Johnson. Oh, and me? we will see you next time.